Welcome everybody to Future of Beauty Unfiltered episode 16 where today we are going to be talking about the power of fragrance. Um, I have the, oh, more importantly, not only is it podcast, is a plonk cast gang. Yes! Because it is, we are meeting with our friends <laughs> over the pond. Oh God, I love it. Uh, today I have with me the amazingly gorgeous Brianna from Mudo. Um, I'm going to do a shameless introduction now, but welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Hannah. This is amazing. I'm such a fan and I need to grab a drink too. <laughs> <gasps> Definitely. Gin, wine. What's your, what's your tipple? What's your favorite drink? You know what? Since it's like really warm where I'm at, I'm in Georgia right now. I'm looking forward to indulging in like a rosé or like something very crisp, like a crisp mm. wine and like a cool, chill wine. I have a very cold, chill Pinot, but I will be <laughs> murking my way onto a Pina colada later on this evening um but i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a bit of a shameless introduction now okay so today guys we have brianna an investigative journalist from the states with over 10 years of storytelling experience spanning across beauty fashion lifestyle and entertainment from the likes of refinery 29 insider elite daily the zoe report essence i could literally go on um obviously in 2018, there was an op opportunity, we're going to say, off the back of actually being made redundant. And actually, you found refuge in your favorite accessory, which was fragrance. Yes. Um, given it's so well documented and also, I guess, learning more about the transformative effects that that can have on mood. So obviously, as time passed, grew obsessively curious, seeking a much greater understanding of the scientific connection between scent memory and emotion through rigorous research plus online training with a first introduction into the field by the way of the school of aromatic studies is that right yes 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 awesome. yes um obviously noting a disparity in mainstream attention towards black owned fragrance labels as well i know we've touched on that in the past so it didn't take long before obviously this big thinker that you are really kind of with that dual marketing background really started working towards what you would say, and I think we would all give your best idea yet, which is coming up with the brand Mudo. Yes, absolutely. Wow. That is a quick summation of my life, my career. I love it. Yes. That I'm is here for weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, <Hire> her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to jump with my first question. So you yes. have a background in journalism and PR. Yes. Now we've touched a little bit on it, but what exactly was it? How did you go from journalism to working with fragrances and, and actually how did the two connect? Yeah, totally. So you touched a little bit about my investigative background. So I'm nosy. That's just another way of saying I'm nosy and I really love talking with people. So within my career in media, I had the privilege to just talk to so many beauty founders for just so many personnel um, from beauty brands, et cetera. And I learned so, so, so much. So aside from learning how to build and craft a good story, I was learning a little bit on the inside of like what it really takes to run a brand. Like aside from what you see on social media, et cetera, like the nitty gritty of how to make things work. So, you know, back in 2018, when I was laid off from my job, I think that's something that not a lot of people know, um, but that's definitely a part of my story. I really sat and I was like, okay, what am I good at? I know I'm really good at talking to people and I know I love beauty and I love fragrance. So really it was just a matter of leaning into those transferable skills and tapping into the network that I had built over like nearly a decade, almost over a decade now. And that's really how we made the transition. It was like, you know, what am I good at? What are my passion points? I love fragrance. Let's try something different. And 
I think also making that switch and relying on those transferable skills and my network, et cetera, I kind of reclaimed a sense of myself that I lost with um, mm-hmm. losing that job. You know, I it was a lot of rebuilding myself and I'm so fortunate to have had the network around me to make it super easy. Yeah. One of the things you said when we caught up last time was around the oath that you kind of is drummed into you around truth telling. Yes. And I can imagine yes. that's played a big part as well when it comes to you finding the ingredients and the ways of working yes. and getting to the bottom of actually yes. what these products can do for people. Absolutely. Like as a journalist, you know, over in the States, especially we, we take this oath, you know, I graduated from journalism school and it's all about, you know, helping people make informed decisions and relying on our internal sense of ethics to make sure that we're, we're doing that. And that easily translates to beauty, you know, and helping people find products um, and services that work for them. Like, how can we make sure that we're talking about things in an appropriate way, but also leaning on a little bit of our marketing savviness to reach the people in which we want to talk to. So mm-hmm. aside from, you know, building a brand and whatnot, marketing has a has ethics associated with it. And I think just coming into this industry um, in a new way and carrying that sense of um, responsibility with me has made it way easier to connect authentically with our audience. I love that code of ethics. I completely agree. Um, so one of the things that I, I actually wrote it down when we caught up and I was like, what is this? So you combine the principle of aromatherapy with the science of aromacology, a word I had never heard before in my life. So what does that mean? And how are those two things different? Definitely. So everyone's, well, not everyone, a lot of people are familiar with principles of aromatherapy, which is, you know, relying on naturals and absolutes and plant magic, if you will, to kind of have a holistic wellness approach to catering, you know, for your needs, etc. As far as aromacology is concerned, we're less focused on the actual ingredients, but the principles of what those ingredients could do. So when you think of lavender, you know, there's chemical compounds within the lavender plant, right? That are rooted in helping you feel a sense of calm, right? Or when you think of citrus, there's compounds within citrus fruits or citrus plants that help with elevating mood or make you, I don't know, put a little spunk in your in your day and your mood and your and your activities, et cetera. So we take those principles and use them in ideating products. So less from a plant perspective, like we're not using essential oils per se. I think aromatherapy is really rooted in essential oils, like solely based in essential oils. Whereas aromacology takes the principles, right? And figure out, figures out a way to employ those same mechanisms to craft and create products that um, are efficacious and do the things in which you know, essential oils, essential, blah, 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 blah. essential oils essentially do. Wow. That's a crazy. Uh, there are sentence. some serious tongue twisters that come out on these podcasts. <laughs> I just accept the fact that I sound like I have no teeth in my mouth and I move on. Um, <laughs> so <That's> hilarious. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I find really interesting and, and when we spoke about it, I was like, <laughs> mind blown. The fine fragrance industry has historically assigned sense to gender. So I mentioned it. We had one of our first podcasts. We had the amazing Joseph Harwood. And one of the things that they said was that they were working with a famous nose. And that actually it was marketing that brought in the gender assignment to scent. It was up yes. until then, um, you know, um, unisex. I, I, I was talking to a friend today who was saying in the 14th century, men 
used to wear flowers all over yes. their bodies to hide the fact that they didn't bathe. Yes. Like, so the kind of, but nowadays, if you were to think about the word floral and assign yep. it as a sense to men, you kind of get some raised eyebrows and some, that doesn't kind of naturally go. So obviously the fine, the industry has historically assigned these scents to gender. Like I say, you know, rose for women, sandalwood for men. Why do you think that is? And does your experience up to this date still validate that theory? Yeah, I think it re- that's a really good question. And I, I literally can talk about this all day long because do I'm it. such an avid believer in the fact that like, how is rose feminine or masculine? It's a plant, like it's a floral, it's a flower, you know? And I really think it goes down to gender roles and what society um, thinks uh, men or women or just individuals in general, how we should behave. Mm. And, you know, when you attach things that are deeply rooted into society to marketing products, it's easier to sell them because these are beliefs that we've just come to accept. Mm. But when I think about it and what we're doing at Mudo, we're all about challenging these deeply rooted beliefs, stereotypes, um, just different things in which don't quite make sense. Uh, again, like I don't understand how a rose is as feminine or masculine, whatever. And, you know, we're just all about helping people see that fact and helping them um, kind of decide for themselves what they like. Because at the end of the day, it's about what the person likes. And I think that's somewhat of what the fragrance industry um, is starting to wake up and realize. I think, especially when it's ta- when we're talking to Gen Z and millennial consumers, Um, they're different. They're just completely different from older generations. They talk different, they think different, they consume different things differently. So Mm. it doesn't quite make sense to talk to them in terms of stereotypes or just uh, generalizations because they don't resonate with that. Like I'm thinking of it, I'm a millennial. I don't resonate with that at all. So, you know, I think it all comes down to gender roles and stereotypes. And I think the world is evolving in ways to be more accepting and understanding that we don't have to subscribe to that kind of stuff all the Mm. time or at all, really. Where do you think that the actual gender assignment originates from? What are your thoughts Mm. around that? Yeah, I think it's a trickle down effect. I think it's a trickle down effect from institutions that have long been set, right? In terms of the fragrance industry, I will say, you know, it's been dominated by very few players. So those very few players have, um, ideals and and um and ways in which they're selling products marketing products developing products and so when you have so very few of them those ideals just keep passing down or just being disseminated across you know countries or audience segments etc but now we're having an influx of new players in this space um including mudo including other brands like dead cool and heretic and Barido and all of these amazing um, companies and businesses that are challenging these things. So we're just having an infusion of beliefs, I think, um, that are helping kind of widen people's perception on how to consume Mm. fragrance and uh, fragrance notes. How, so one of the things that I've, so I've been talking to a few people the last few days and obviously different people gravitate towards different scents for lots of different reasons. And I definitely want to talk about that a bit more later, but, um, how did they decide which one goes for what gender? Like, what is it about Rose that's feminine? And what is it about sandalwood that's masculine? Or is yeah. that kind of the point? I think it's like, when you think of like those two examples in particular, like a rose is very delicate. It's a very delicate floral. 
Um, it's very soft. It's very uh, romantic. And these are ideals that are uniquely tied to uh, femininity, right? A woman's supposed to be soft. A woman is supposed to be delicate. A woman is supposed to be handled with care. Sandalwood, it's a wood. It's rugged, right? It has a little, it has a very distinct smell. You know, it's very like- Punchy. It's, it's very <laughs> it's punchy. punchy not for me literally (laughs) and so you know just to pose that with with the rose right a man is supposed to be rugged around the edges and punchy and strong etc and so when you're ideating scents from that purview you're gonna automatically gravitate towards notes in which you know society or which stereotypes assume you know match up. But at the end of the day, if it smells good to you, what does it really matter? You're still going to make the purchase. So in in all actuality, I think it oftentimes does us a little bit, actually a lot of harm, not just from a psychological perspective, but honestly, from a marketing, let's sell some product perspective. Like you're limiting yourself, especially as different subgroups and audience sectors are starting to embrace fragrance. Why alienate them? I don't know. I don't get it. Very true. Um, in your work, you describe fragrance as a, and I love this, by the way, as a person's most powerful form of expression. Um, why is that? And can you tell me a little bit more about that theory? Yes. So it really is rooted in like self-care, honestly. Um, and we believe at Mudo that self-care is the best form of self-expression and that before you do anything, right, before you go to the store and pick up that face mask or before you book that massage appointment or that trip to Paris or whatnot, right, you have to identify within like what it is that you're you're feeling. Like, what is that? What do you need, right? And that's a form of expressing yourself. And when it comes to fragrance, it's so deeply rooted with that scientific connection between our sense of smell, memory, and emotion. And so naturally, it's the perfect tool to express yourself because it literally ties to the strongest sense we have, which is smell. And so we we understand that. I understand that, you know, especially going through that time that I had with being laid off and losing my job. those smells that I was smelling around my house or just, you know, when when I went back home to kind of debrief with my mom for a second, I was living in New York City and uh, came back to St. Louis, Missouri on a visit and smelling what it was when I walked through that threshold, like comforting feeling of, wow, I'm home. So really understanding how our sense of smell works. um, It again, it dawned on me that it's a no brainer that fragrance is the best way to express yourself. It is funny because I think once you kind of get your head around how powerful it can be, it really does make a, a positive impact. You know, there's a running joke that I'm obsessed with lavender. I mean, yes. I am obsessed with lavender, <laughs> partially because my sister was allergic to it for years growing up. So it was never yeah. allowed in my own house. <laughs> but there appears to be a, a current trend of people going back to basics. We spoke about this last time. And I do think... I'm, I, I hate that I have to talk about the pandemic on every damn podcast I do. And it's such a pivotal point in our in in the people in this moment in time's lives where the world went quiet and all the noise disappeared for a small period of time. There was lots of other negative things that came with it, but there were positive things. And one of the positive things I personally believe is people were allowed to listen to their Mm. own bodies and understand actually rather than on that that hamster wheel of life to take a moment to sit back and and really think, what do I need? And obviously I think part of that has resulted in a growth 
of essential oils usage within people's lives. And, and Mudo is a brand that absolutely utilizes both those natural ingredients, but also the safe synthetics. Yep. How one talk to me about why you've chosen that route. Cause I think yeah. that's really important. Yes. And then the other one is how can other brands actually incorporate sense into their product experience? Because Definitely. that really does open up how a brand can touch someone's life. For sure. For sure. So to answer your first question about why we chose to mix natural with synthetic, et cetera, you know, it really came down to a sustainability approach for me um, and ethics. Um, there's a lot uh, that goes into extracting um, aromas from things. A, a lot of work goes into that, like tons and tons and tons of for instance, we're, let's, we're talking about rose. So rose petals need to be compressed and squeezed to get anything out of that, you know, or just other different uh, plant materials. You have to do a lot to get a little and it's not sustainable, you know, and it also is not conducive to the earth. We're often depleting resources. Sandalwood is like endangered. <laughs> like it, it, it's, it's, there's resources out here that we're, we're, depleting for the sake of, of vanity, if you will. Right. And it's, it's, it's not quite, it's not quite right. So if we can, if we can figure out a way to get that scent in a synthetic way, um, I think that's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. And I think, um, the world or just consumers in the market in general is, is realizing that synthetic, the word synthetic, which can be scary. It doesn't have to be so scary when there's a rationale behind it and when there's science behind it and when there's safety behind it, transparency behind it, et cetera. But also when it comes to, you know, materials and whatnot, you know, we just want to make sure that we're serving as large of an audience as possible. Mm -hmm. There's audience members or individuals in our consumer cohorts that are allergic to essential oils, or they just can't they can't deal their skin is synthesized to it or what have they. Mm -hmm. So we are mixing, you know, natural synthetic to find, um, a common ground to reach the largest amount of people and do it in a very ethical and, uh, transparent, sustainable way. Um, it's termed in terms of how other brands can utilize fragrance within their products. If you are not, Consider it, consider it. Now I understand some formulas are catered to sensitive skin types, et cetera. So I understand the fragrance-free rationale. However, fragrance impacts such a powerful experience um, from a consumer standpoint. It's insane. Like when's the last time you checked into a hotel? Just oh. off the top of your mind. Uh, like a month ago. Okay, a month ago, even though a hotel is technically a service, right? Scent therapy is real there. When you walk in there, you get that woof of like. I went into a spa the other day. So everything had a different smell. I was like, yes, what's in the yes. air here? And you remember that. And it yeah. made you feel something. And like mm. when, when I talk to other people about this kind of thing, and whether it's infusing scent inside a product or using scent to help market a brand or a service, it's all about that feeling that people can get from smelling something. And when you feel something, you remember it. Mm -hmm. And so those who are on the fence about, oh, I don't know if I should incorporate fragrance in my product or whatnot. Think lip gloss. There's often taste, uh, mm -hmm. elements of taste inside lip gloss. Sometimes it yeah. smells like cake. Sometimes it smells like cake, right? You remember that. And it just helps with brand affinity, recognizability. It en enhances the customer's experience. Um, and it's a good way to kind of take advantage of the fragrance 
boom and the conversation that's happening right now. Well, I think as well, what, what people forget is your nose is actually what informs you what food tastes like. Yes. You know, yes. our taste buds aren't yes. actually as advanced. And so it's our nose that goes, yes. this is broccoli, this is cake. It's not our mouth that tells yep. us those things. And actually those flavors and those experiences, it's more than just a scent. It, it kind of impacts your taste. I mean, I could tell you so many times where I've put on like a new body butter or something and I'm like, <laughs> could I eat this? Like it's Could making me, this? it's making me salivate. Yeah. I feel like I should eat this. It um, smells so good. Yeah, and it's it's more than just your sense of smell. It's 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 so much more than that. And I think oh. that is such a huge part of the experience. I just want to circle back really quickly. Sure. Why do you think synthetic ingredients is a scary concept for a lot of people? Because mm -hmm. I I completely understand where that fear comes from. Yeah. particularly of this day and age but as someone that works with it you know how can you take the fear of synthetic ingredients away yeah. it's all rooted in education like we fear what we do not know and our brain oftentimes tries to fill in the gaps by pulling in information that we do know and sometimes that can make uh, things even more scarier it's like a snowball effect so education is really 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 important and I love how um, there's an influx of brands out here across all categories and beauty etc who are um, leaning into educating their clients. And the more that the client is educated, again, it goes back to my personal sense of ethics, right? The more I can educate you to make an informed product purchasing decision or whatever decision that you need to make in your life, like the better it is for everyone. It mitigates risk. It mitigates the likelihood of someone returning a product because they didn't understand it from the get-go. It's all rooted in education. And I think once you um, explain how something works and the form and function it takes within a particular product per se, you have a consumer who's like, oh, okay, I get it. Or, oh, okay, thank you for explaining, but not for me. Thank you very much. You know, it all is rooted in education. Mm, I completely agree. I think there's definitely been a tipping point because we have, particularly in the UK, I don't know what it's like so much in the States, but greenwashing from a marketing yes. point of view yes. is yes. is a real challenge because, you know, you get 10% of the way there and you can kind of use it as a label. And I think that kind of makes half of the the challenge for those brands that fully want to commit to being 100% natural versus, no, we're going to have a blend, but we're, we're doing it for these reasons. And I think consumers are just confused. At the yeah. end of the day, we, they just want a honest and there are some consumers out there that go i don't care yeah it's good for the yes. planet couldn't care less yeah, i just want are. it at the right price that's gonna make me feel good and gonna make me look good and give me as much of it as possible and as quickly as possible and those people exist and then there's also the other people that are kind of on their horse going save the world one yes. bottle of skin cream at a time and both of those views are absolutely fine i think what is amazing is that it's really then made it so challenging for brands when they're looking at that formulations to appeal to as yes. many people as possible yes. without yes. I guess, pigeonholing yourself. For sure, for sure. Um, so this brings me on to the question I'm most excited to actually ask you. <laughs> I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink some wine while you're talking to me about it in my plonk cast. <laughs> so scent and mm. connections to memories and emotions are just as powerful as they are personal. Yes. Okay. We yes. talk about, I could talk about some of my memories. So my mum had Isimiyaki as a perfume when we were kids. Yes. And 
every time she I'm like oh that's mum that's mum and but then my sister god god lover got sick and when she was in hospital because she missed my mum my mum every time she went in to visit her would smother herself like oh my god I'd be coughing as she left as perfume but then what's happened is that scent memory has shifted from a positive one Mm. to a negative one okay so they're so they're so powerful but they're very personal how how do you cater for the masses when it is such an individual experience with your product so how do you build a fragrance that Mm. delivers that specific memory or emotion for that end customer yeah that's a really amazing question and you know we are very much so rooted in intentionality when i'm designing a fragrance there's a very particular reason as to why And I try to curate based on universal feelings. So our very first scent is entitled uh, Worthy. So it came out when we first launched October 1st, 2021. Who does not want to feel worthy? Or who does not want to be reminded that they're worthy? worthy. That they're worthy, right? And so with Worthy in particular, the notes in there, our customers and Twitter, I mean, I I credit Twitter, honestly, they've since called that scent a hug in a bottle because of what it represents to them, right? And that's a universal experience. Who also wouldn't want a hug, right? So it has notes of like amber and vanilla. It has lavender in there, just a little splash. It has some red rose that's representative of love, self-love. It has other things inside of there that really, you know, I wanted to impart sense of comfort. I wanted to impart a sense of let's let's wrap those senses in that warm, cozy blanket whenever you need whatever you need most. Right. So worthy is a key example of how we are appealing to the masses, because, again, who wouldn't want to feel that way or who wouldn't want to be reminded that Mm. way? As far as Punk Star is concerned, Punk Star is our second scent that just launched. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's going through its, its new phase, if you will. Um, when it comes to Punk Star, that scent goes back to our brand DNA. And I truly, honestly, really feel like we, all of us deep down inside, perhaps have an inner rebel inside of us that just needs to be unleashed or that is suppressed because of something, but it's there and it is powerful and it can help you and know, associating with a greater sense of self, right? So with Punk Star, it has notes in there that remind me of rock and roll. Like rock and roll is the mu- music of fearlessness to me. Like you you are in that <laughs> you, are, you are fearless when you're a rock and roller, right? You're yeah. just like gunning for it. You know what I'm saying? You're going for it full steam ahead without care for how anyone thinks or feels about it, right? So we took that notion and principles of things that are commonplace and try to bottle them up um, for a universal appeal. So whether or not you like leather or you like cedar wood or whatever the case may be, at very least you can resonate with the feeling in which we hope to impart. And okay, if you don't like the scent, that's okay. Scent is very subjective, but at least you know what we're getting at. And that's how we approach how we create products. What is a feeling? What is a mood that is universal that we've all kind of had a feeling about or had a connection with, and how can we help people, you know, honestly, just become a better version of themselves by expressing themselves and accessorizing um, how they're feeling, right? That's really what it's all about. That's amazing. Tell me, tell me a bit more. So obviously, Worthy, wasn't it? Your first product that came out, your first scent. 
Tell me actually how you got to the point where you were like this, this is the formulation. Oh this, God. <laughs> this is the hug in a bottle because I hear some of your ingredients and I'm like, okay, lavender, I get it. Honey, oh, sorry, vanilla, I kind of get it together. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm saying honey because I'm thinking about bees now. Like, yes. how did you bring these all together? Because they're yes. very different, very different scents. Yes. You know? Yes. Very, very um, meticulous process. Very, very meticulous. So fun fact, you know, when I decided like, hey, I'm going to start a fragrance label, a lot of what I did uh, was at home, just playing around with things. I actually uh, built a very robust kit, perfumer's kit, if you will. And I spent a lot of time just playing with things, just trying things. A lot of things did not work. But once I had an idea of like, oh, this actually kind of smells kind of good. You know, we then partnered with um, an amazing, amazing partner, amazing fragrance house to help us um, make sure that the idea was solid. So while I am our creative director, I am our chief nose. I create all of our creative briefs. All of the design form and function comes from me. We do a partner um, with an amazing fragrance house to ensure that everything goes together in the way in which it should. It's a puzzle, really. And I have such a deep respect for the science of perfumery. Like, it is intense. It is a science. There's so much that goes into one product. Those notes I named, that's only that touches the surface of everything that's inside of there, but it's a very meticulous process. It's a very intentional process. Um, And all of the notes are just reminiscent of things that um, impart comfort. Who wouldn't want to receive a red rose to remind them to love on themselves or you have your musk, right? So there's a little bit of musk in there. It's synthetic. It's, Mm. you know, animal musks are prohibited and I would dare to say across the world, like should be, if not, um, but you have things that go with just your natural pheromones, right? Your natural yeah. aside from other things that just impart comfort. So we work very closely with an amazing fragrance house. But again, all the creative briefs come from a deep um, desire that I have to help people mm. express themselves. Would you say that that obviously men and women should want to feel that way? They should want yes. to feel worthy. Yes, yes. As men far as how, they, how people's noses respond to those fragrances have you seen anything that surprised you in the process because a lot of those ingredients again historically they've been maybe a little more feminine so how's that been received by men yeah honestly oh my goodness who is messaging me i am so sorry i thought my don't you worry i've had dogs barking on this podcast i've run out of wine it's just going completely to pop no make sure it's all the way signed out but at the end of the day um we are we are um we we often fall victim to what we're told right like marketing messages and just things that are passed down through systems, right? And then when they reach the consumer, it's like, oh, this is what it should be. So if that's what you're used to, oftentimes you're going to subconsciously adopt those beliefs without wanting to even challenge them or question them. So when it comes to Mido, we're just challenging that status quo. We're going to show you some imagery with an amazing male um model per se doing things that maybe they shouldn't do because they can like Mm -hmm. why can't they right so it's all about helping our consumer just retrain their brain Mm -hmm. and 
relearn things, right? So because we say it can, it can, right? That's really how it works, honestly, truly. So through our imagery, through our storytelling, um, through our customers, like our clients are amazing. They often recommend things and just being very visible and having mm -hmm. a retail presence has helped so that clients can come and try for themselves. Ironically, uh, a growing percentage of our clients who have purchased worthy are male. They really? Are, yes. A very, a growing percentage. I would say just to spit out some sort of fact figure between 17 to 20%. Wow. Which is sizable. Yeah. I would say in the fragrance a, space. Yeah. Yes. For a fragrance brand that's new and that has, I guess we've started really showcasing women first, right. And mm. men just kind of adopted a natural curiosity to it and realized that like, Hey, this kind of smells really good. So, you know, that's all what you, it's about, just encouraging people to try. Yeah. One of the things I love about perfume is um, the same scent does not smell the same yes. on an individual. Yes. So I, I come from a family of six kids, one brother, five sisters, poor boy. And um, <laughs> we forever, you know, I will give my my sister my kidney, but God forbid she borrows my perfume. Absolutely you know not. <laughs> and this thing's expensive. It's um, very expensive. But it smells completely different yes, on the individuals. Yes. Do you know why? Like, what is it that makes perfume yeah. so different on somebody? I mean, everyone knows pheromones. It's just like us. Like, everyone has a natural smell. And I learned that when, and this, I don't know if this is TMI or not, but when women are Go going different cycles, et cetera. We smell different. We smell different. And it's, it's, it's a little bit animalistic in a way, right? Like Hopefully. when we're, when we're going through certain particular phases, right. Our hair wants to act correct. Our skin wants to act correct. Our natural aroma is a little bit more alluring. You know what I'm saying? If you know what I'm saying, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that fragrance uh, is adaptable in that way. You know, it's a personal experience. Yeah. Based off personal preference, but also literally how our chemistry, how our bodies are it makes it a, a super personal experience and that yeah. that's cool it, it aids in um dialogue uh you know i was joking around with someone the other day and i was like we're in the age of the death of the signature scent like it, like the the signature scent i mean yeah it's still a thing but people are talking about how they're wearing their fragrances and layering them and like oh that's not like this on me oh that's not like this on you and we're talking about it like perfume talk fragrance mm -hmm. talk in saying the community that is centered around a love of perfumery right so i i revel in that stuff and i like it i don't i don't mind that it doesn't smell the same on everyone else i think that's what makes it beautiful well yeah i mean it's the same with makeup and everything else yeah. you can wear the same palette i mean growing again growing up in a household full of girls one of the things i always used to find my my sister and i 18 months apart yeah. and i always loved and my first ever perfume I what would never it? wear it now. What was it? Cool Water Davidoff. Oh, for real? For real. That's iconic, though. That's iconic. Yeah. I'm not mad at it, though. I'm no. not mad. You no, know, no. I, I, I felt like I was, like, punching above my weight at, like, 16 years of age. So you like fresh scents? Oh, yeah, there we Very go. Fresh. Like, I'm, I'm, like, trying floral. to profile, like, what, you're, what yeah. you're into. Floral. But all of the ingredients of the first product, I'm there for it. I'm 100% yeah. there. I've yeah. worn, I used to then wear vanilla. Just vanilla, okay. just I'm vanilla, 
I'm a yes. warm and spicy gourmand. Yeah, no, and then I've kind of moved in my later years when the stress levels have gone up and the children okay. have come into my life. Okay. And it's all about lavender. Okay. <laughs> lavender, chamomile, yes. give me, give me, give me, give me. So I think as well with scent, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree. It's the best way to express yourself without verbally saying sure. it or showing it because people oh, sure. will smell you before you arrive how many times have you been in a restaurant and someone's just walked past you like oh you smell amazing what yeah. is that and it starts yeah. a dialogue so i think you know fragrance is such an amazing thing sure. do you think the beauty industry is underestimating the important role that fragrance plays in the overall production experience at times i think the markets are realizing it because when we talked a little bit earlier about it, but COVID was really, um, and I won't say it's over because in a lot of parts of the world, you know, it's it's completely not. But in the States, often no one's wearing a mask. Well, there are people. Let me not say no one. Let me not generalize. But it's like Majority. nothing ever happened. Like everyone is like, well, okay, we're on to the next thing, right? But, you know, I think we realize like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like fragrance had its quote unquote lipstick effect at the height of the, at the height of the pandemic, because people weren't going outside. They, they, they had masks on their face. So they weren't wearing a lot of makeup, whatever. Skincare also had a boom and hair care also had a boom, but fragrance, you know, was seen as such a tool for escapism or a way to transport yourself to somewhere else where you could just ignore your, or our collective reality at the time. Like fragrance saw monumental, instrumental, pivotal growth that, the fragrance cat that the category had just never seen. Really? So, I did not know that. Yes. Yes. Like literally there are so many reports on how sales just skyrocketed like insane in the prestige category as well, but also in the, the mastige categories as well. You know, it just grew because people just, people just saw it as a tool for escapism. But now as we're, you know, recovering from the height of COVID and the pandemic, Fragrance is now transformed into less of a tool for escapism and more of a tool for self-expression. And it's just, it's, it's to me a natural evolution. It's a natural evolution because people really had a real personal moment with fragrance those few years that we were really all going through it. And so I think the industry is waking up to how people are utilizing fragrance um, as not just a vanity play or whatever, but as really a beauty tool as a as a key part of their beauty regimen and their ritual for self-care mm -hmm. and i think the brands and this is across categories right i think the brands that are uh, privy to that fact um and who latch on to that fact are the be are going to be the ones that win and they're going to be the ones that that make waves and make splashes because that's really truly honestly how the market is going and it's being led by a young a younger consumer cohort that again just doesn't resonate with old ideals and ideologies anymore, right? They're really on the new wave. So if you can mm. latch on to not just how people are consuming and uh, experimenting with fragrance, but also can talk authentically um, to the consumer that's purchasing that product or whatnot, you are winner, winner, chicken dinner. You're out of here. Like you totally. got the keys to success if you can do those things. One of the things I think that's really interesting about listening to what you're saying is that a lot of the products are skincare. Obviously, it has yeah. lots of different benefits, but again, it's just one sense. It's what you see. 
Okay, yeah. so what you see in the mirror, yes, there's obviously the feeling element on how it feels on your skin, but you're you're doing it realistically because when you look in the mirror, you don't necessarily like what you see. There's a problem mm. you want to fix. Mm. Anti-aging, while that's such a taboo word now, is one of those things that people, everyone's trying to turn the clock back. And there's lots of different layers to this. But fragrance, it's a totally different experience. I mean, if we think about it, Abercrombie and Fitch, decades ago, you'd walk into a store and you'd be oh, yeah. hit with that smell. Hollister, Abercrombie, Aeropostale. Oh yeah, bang, yes. walk in, wall of scent. And, but it's straight away, if you think, okay, let's, let's talk about a retail experience, a retail environment. They incorporated that scent into that environment and it made such a big impact. Like you say, smell makes you remember things, good and bad. Yep. Um, and I think sometimes where a lot of brands are, were so obsessed for so long in digital because we had to, because of where the peak of the pandemic got us to, that the younger, and actually I think cohorts of all ages are just wanting to get back out there. I think this is actually one of the consequences of working from home more. I know I work from home a lot of the time and I'm like, get me out, I want to be anywhere but these four walls. <laughs> Um, and so people yes. crave, and these days out to shops, they become more of a thing. They're a bigger deal. It's a family experience. All you know, multiple generations. They go for lunch. They're probably prepared to spend a bit more money. And so by walking in somewhere, and it's that sensorial kind of just dropping you into the deep end of every sense, from the touch to the smell to the lighting. Sure. I think brands are really missing a trick on how fragrance can play such a big part of that i agree i agree like there's nothing more i'll remember and i don't know if it's because i've trained myself to be this way now with the line of work in which i do now but i i will remember what something smells like maybe perhaps before i remember what it looked like even really right yeah i just just thinking about you know stores and restaurants and just how i experience just life right like it is our strongest sense. It is our strongest sense. You cannot ignore that science. You cannot ignore the data behind our sense of smell um, and, and how powerful it really truly is. And if you are not paying attention, you are truly missing out on the marketability, marketability, but also just how us humans are. It's just how we are. It's not something that we've trained ourselves to do. Like you mentioned, like it's just natural. It's just what comes comes to us. So why not? Be, uh, dog, dog sniff each other's it. bums for a reason. It's the same concept. <laughs> yes, it's like, why are we not? We're a bit more evolved than bum sniffing, I appreciate. But you know, you know. what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, you know, a lot of the approach in which I personally take is, you know, a lot of the answers are right there in front of us. A lot of our answers to um, crafting um, brands that are authentic and resonating, uh, resonant with our consumers and our target audiences, a lot of their answers are right, in for, right there in front of us. It doesn't have to necessarily always be rocket science. Um, and maybe it's a little bit of, um, maybe it's jaded for me to say that because I am a millennial talking to millennials. But it's all about listening. I think that investigative journalist hat, I still put it on a lot of times every day. It's actually never like too far away from me. And Nor it's about it. listening, you know, just listening to people mm. and, and then creating services, products and services that these, these people want. It can be just that simple. For, for us as a business, you know, we believe inside every brand there's a better story waiting to be told. But more yes. importantly, yes. 
we are connecting those brands to those customers because the reason we do the research we do, the reason this podcast exists, the reason that I love my job so much is because every single person has maybe this a similar outcome, but the journey they went through to get to that outcome, never the same. And so everybody can learn. And I think sometimes just going back to the who are you trying to talk to and what are you trying to say and why would they want to listen are three of the most simple questions that you could ask yourself. Because I think, you know, you can't read the ingredients from inside the jar. We all become, like you were saying, now because of your job, everywhere you go, you're like a little sniffer dog. Just Yes, I want to smell everything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, don't come near me today. There's a heat wave in the UK. Like, no. Oh, Um, don't, don't. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't believe you've got sleeves on. I'm just dying over here. Um, It's cold in here. It's cold in my house. Oh, thank God for aircon. Okay, I have one final question. I have loved talking to you. Thank you so much. But I have one final question. Um, because of all of your experience throughout all the years, we have a lot of marketers and people listening to this podcast. If you could give one piece of advice to those people listening today and who are interested in how to unlock the power of fragrance within their brands, what would it be? God, that's a loaded question. I know. <laughs> that is a big one. That's a loaded question. One piece of advice. You can have more than one if you want, but what would the advice be on the journey you've been through well, you've learned and obviously that journalistic hat what would that advice be yeah um assumptions are have no place in building anything worthwhile you really have to do the work to understand and uncover the answers that you're trying to you know implement into your solutions right talking with your clients, your consumer cohort, interviewing them, understanding how they think and act, and not just assuming has been pivotal in how we've been able to grow a brand. And, you know, I would say we're moving pretty fast. I would say we're, mm. we're, we're going quite fast. And it's come from just wanting to understand um, and not take an assumption um, and run with it. So just if there is a research department or if there is not a research department within your organization or institution or whatnot, invest in one um, or invest to strengthen it. Um, because that, honestly, we did a lot of brand building for three years prior to even launching. Like wow. we were we were serving people and, and getting in the weeds for three years before we ever pulled the plug on anything. And so that is honestly, truly my biggest piece of advice. Um, And secondly, and it might sound jaded or cliche, but always stay curious, be nosy and and, and have fun with what you're doing. Remembering that this is fun and, and remembering that the true power of what you're doing is, is helping someone become the version of themselves that they've always inspired to be. And that takes great responsibility, but it's also a very fun um, position to have. So have fun and stay curious and invest in research. Those are three things that I, I, I really credit to our success, but also I think everyone should you know, consider. Thank you so much, Brianna. It's been so amazing speaking to you today. Yes, um, guys, you. I hope you have absolutely loved hearing about unlocking that power of fragrance in your brands. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on one of these scents, actually. You. They're coming to you right now. We're shipping oh. them. On the way, I'm there, I'm there. Well, thank you so much, guys. If you have any questions for Brianna or myself, please do get in touch at podcast at thepoolagency.com and we'll see you next time. 